Episode 153. What we have here is a failure to communicate in healthcare. Today, I speak with Michael Kinzerski from Spoke about care team communications. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Today, I speak with Michael Kinzerski from Spoke about care team communications, or lack thereof, as the case may be. We discuss how EHR systems don't really cut it from a communications standpoint, leaving the gap to be filled by islands of standalone communication channels like pagers or texting that may or may not actually link together all of the people who need to know something and often don't integrate with the workflow. One request, listeners, could you, if you enjoy the show, kindly go over to iTunes and rate and review our podcast? That would really be helpful. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Michael. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about communication as a major issue in healthcare. Why is that? Every provider organization, or let's just say almost every provider organization these days has an enterprise EHR system. I'm not sure if the intention there was to aid and abet communication between care team members But if communication between care team members remains an issue, apparently it's not going so well. So can you elaborate a little bit about what the communication gap is? Yeah, the the EHR is is a repository, and, and it has some strong clinical decision support capabilities. It was never developed, although the EHR companies, the Epic Cisterners of the world, and they're continuing to expand their reach are looking at communications, but the EHR was never a tool to communicate. It was a repository. As I said, it had clinical support. It gave information. You can do the flow sheets, but it was never designed to communicate. And in healthcare, there's so many different types of communication that is needed that you need a, you you can't jury rig an EHR to do the communications. Yes, they come with email boxes, but that's about it. Some of them are now coming out with secure texting applications. But, you know, very, very limited. There's lots of point solutions out there, you know, secure texting, clinical test results, clinical monitoring systems, uh, paging. And, and if you have all, and these are all different pretty much applications on the phone. So imagine, you know, a physician or a nurse wanting to get some information and they have seven different apps on their phone. It's just not going to work. And it doesn't work. And the physicians and nurses get very frustrated. Or if to get any results, they have to go to their EHR mailbox. That's not going to work either. And what happens is it really starts affecting patient care because, you know, communication breakdown is really paramount to sentinel events. If you look at other really successful, you look at the military, you look at other high profile companies like Amazon, hotels, they have enterprise-wide communication systems. Hospitals have maybe 10% have enterprise, if that. And the majority of them have seven different communication systems that don't talk to one another. What percentage of Sentinel events is communication a contributor to? What was that? 
Joint Commission came out in 2015-16 and said 70% of Sentinel events in the hospital involve a breakdown of communications. And what's like an example of that? You know, I could probably make some up because perhaps the answer is obvious, but what would you state as kind of the quintessential communication breakdown issue? I mean, the one that's on everybody's lips and then most of your listeners will be aware of this is sepsis. I mean, the sepsis outbreak in healthcare is you spend a couple of days in the hospital and the risk is pretty high. And the hospitals have a lot of tools. There's Muse scores. It's companies like ParaHealth. They know how to, the EHRs themselves, they know how to identify sepsis. But what happens from there? You know, when, when a patient is diagnosed with early step sepsis or in sepsis, it is, it is now paramount to the patient, you know, being successfully treated. And you have to get that information to a variety of different care team members quickly. We no longer do overhead paging in healthcare. It affects HCAP scores and it also is not good for the patient. So you have to have some more sort of method to get to these 10 people to quickly tell them that we have a sepsis risk. Or, you know, there's many other examples in trauma, et cetera, that you have to get multiple people notified very quickly that time equals patient safety equals patient lives. So if, if you have this data that we know that Jane Doe is a sepsis risk, but what do you do with them there? People have to go to a computer workstation. If somebody have to start making phone calls, if we have to see who's on call and we don't know this and we're looking through books and paper or we're using seven different communication systems because the nurses are on one system, the physicians are on the other, the blood bank is on another, respiratory, they're using a phone. So that's where the breakdown happens in, in, in communication and, and people, people's lives. So if I'm a nurse, say, and I'm recognizing that Jane Doe, using the example that you did, is at risk of sepsis or maybe even is exhibiting signs thereof, it's one thing for me to know something and it's another thing for Jane Doe to get the help that she needs quickly at that exact moment. As a nurse in that situation, I basically have to figure out how to use the seven apps on my phone. I have to click on all the apps on my phone or something in order to make sure that every relevant party gets notified. Is that typically how that looks? I mean, it might be not be seven in that case, but the physicians are using a secure texting app, so I have to text the physician. But I don't know who's on call. It's, it's midnight, so I've got to go to a computer to, or to a paper schedule to see who's on call, or I have to call the operator. And the operator has to do that. Then I've got to get a hold of respiratory. So again, without an enterprise communication system that when I say we have a sepsis alert and I type in sepsis code care team, that the, the enterprise communication system does all that. It knows who's on call. It knows where the other people are. Who knows who's using a pager. It knows who's using a smartphone. It knows who's using a voice over IP phone and instantaneously can reach out and touch all those people. And then if somebody doesn't respond in a minute, two minutes, whatever it may be, they hit them again. And if they don't respond, it escalates to the next person. So it's, it's literally like a push of a button to quickly let this care team know that we have an incident and we need to move quickly. Okay. So that's what an enterprise communication system does then. It enables enterprise-wide groups, as you called it, the, the sepsis care team. So there's some sort of back end and that sepsis care team may be mutable. It may alter over time, you know, like at this moment, here's the team that comprises the, the sepsis care team. And tomorrow morning, it might be different members. But ultimately, that 
action happens on the back end. So when I need the substance care team, the right people are automatically notified if I hit up that communication group. Yes. And like you said, it's dynamic. I mean, every shift, every couple hours, it can be different. Somebody is on call, but they pass the on call to somebody else. And what these enterprise communication systems do is it's not all in just their systems. They're tapped into all the other hospital systems. And hospitals have so many different systems, whether it's communication, whether it's scheduling, whether it's data. And so a good enterprise communication system will take feeds from all those disparate systems, intelligently put it together so that it knows at that time who's on that sepsis care team. Do you think that leaders of healthcare organizations understand that this is a problem? It's an interesting question. Uh, There's so many challenges in healthcare today and so many different government mandates, cost constraints, infection things. So their plates are very, very full. I think some of the leading hospitals in the country, some of the leading edge ones are, are realizing that an enterprise communication solution is paramount and are making investments, large investments in it. If you look at why did people go within an EHR, you know, in the last 10 years. And a lot of these systems were out there already, but they were they were different point solutions. There was an ER EHR. There was a critical care EHR. There was a surgical EHR. But they were all different islands of information. And what for both patient safety cost, we invested in electronic health records. That is a one place, one repository for all this information. And if you think about it just in our daily lives, how important communication is, some of the leading ed hospitals and the the thought leaders in this space are really starting to look at communications as a whole versus islands of information. So, and even if you have to start small today, because, you know, these, these are large investments. And so make sure that, you know, when you look at this, that even if I have to say start in the ED, because I've got a major problem in my emergency department that... I can't get lab results out. You know, it's not just voice, it's data. I can't get lab results. I can't get radiology results. I don't know who's on call. So even if you have to just start in the ED, but make a decision thinking about tomorrow. Invest in a platform that will be able to grow and cover the whole hospital versus continually to buy islands of information. Do you think that this is an issue that has been exacerbated actually by technology? And I'm asking this question because I'm thinking about Dr. Robert Watcher and the book that he wrote. In that book, there's a, a chapter about how communication has actually diminished amongst care teams because everyone used to congregate around the nurse's station where all of the patient records were kept. And in the process, one of the things that hindsight being 2020, it occurred to people is that you know people were actually talking to each other when they were congregated around the nursing station and communicating with each other. And in the absence of that, communication actually, according to Dr. Robert Watcher, has suffered. And the same thing with radiology results, that people would all go down to radiology and in the process of talking to the radiologist and standing down there amongst their colleagues, there was actually sidebar communications that were happening, which were ultimately deemed to be pretty important when they went away. You could look at this thing in a few different ways. There's, as we talked earlier, a lot of mandates, a lot of requirements of our clinicians. Hospitals are can't afford to have an overabundance of clinicians anymore. And there's a very strong push, and it's the right push, I believe, to get the clinician, especially the nurse, back to the bedside. Clinicians, I mean, yes, if you have the employees and the people to do it, I would imagine going down and talking to radiologists would be a very good thing. 
But in the world that I, I live and see in hospitals today, they, they don't have the, the people to do it. And then there's so many other things going on. So if a bad lab result pops up, and if you have a system that automatically knows, in, um, or let's, go, let's say radiology, if a radiologist is reviewing something and notices that there's a very big abnormality there and can say a code word and instantaneously that radiology result is sent to the physician and nurse that are covering that patient with those notes that the, the radiologist put in there, they're immediately notified while the clinician's at the bedside. Now, they can quickly hit a phone icon on that screen on their iPhone or whatever they're using and have a conversation with the radiologist. So I, I do agree that communications, you know, maybe you know, we don't have as much face-to-face talking, but that's just the nature of the business we're in. So we do need to rely on the communications tools today to communicate better. I'm intrigued by the example that you just gave. And maybe this is the sign that I need to learn more about what these enterprise communication systems, you know, what they actually deliver. Say that the hospital that I work for has a such a system and I am a clinician just going about my daily, you know, I'm rounding. As you say, an alert pops up on my phone. Like, walk me through that. So the the whole, you know, radiology is hooked up as well as nurses. You know, everybody's hooked up to this. If I'm a clinician, what kind of alerts am I getting? Like, how does my day look different? This is a topic we can talk for two hours about, but (laughs) you know, there's a good and bad to this, right? So. We want to make sure, so let's say we have a nurse that is in a um, med surge unit, and in that scenario, maybe covering five patients, needs to have information, something happens to one of those patients, maybe you want to, and you need to get that information to that nurse quickly. But the challenge to that is to not overwhelm that nurse with false information. So we talked earlier about radiology results, we lab results, uh, patient monitors, nurse call systems clinical monitoring solutions, all these different things are sending out alerts on Jane Doe. And these systems are smart enough, or actually the communication systems kind of help enable it. I look at the communication systems as like the the subway, or maybe not the subway this summer in New York, but the subway, which kind of moves the people or the data, and it moves them all to where they're supposed to go. But we have to be very careful that we don't overwhelm the clinicians with every two minutes that their phone is beeping and something else is coming in because they're going to eventually ignore it. An intelligent communication solution will say, you know, when, when that radiology result is is triggered from the, the radiologist tech that's reviewing it, and it's a critical alert, you know, that is being generated and sent to the, the, um, the nurse. But maybe with a patient monitor where an alarm goes off because a lead fell off or they have a telemetry patient and the battery died in, in the telemetry pack. We don't need that to go to the nurse who is dealing with other things when that's a biomed or a nurse assistant role. So these systems are actually intelligent enough to say, that's a lead off, let's send that to a nurse tech. Or the telemetry pack batteries are dead, that goes to the biomedical engineering department. So you have to have some intelligence, it just can't be routing. There has to be a built-in intelligence in the background. And it also has to know how to get it to the right person at the right time. So, you know, we talked about you know, the nurses covering Jane Doe for the day shift, but at night shift, it's a totally different person. So that same system has to then know that, okay, it's going to this person instead of this person. And then we also all talked earlier about escalations. That has to be built in as well so that if that nurse is tied up dealing with another patient, that it can escalate to others. 
The, the other real strength of this is that sometimes you can put data in their hands if an alarm goes off on, say, a patient monitor, and the waveform can then be put to that nurse's phone, and that nurse is down the all of, other end of the hall, that nurse quickly can say, okay, you know what, this is not a, a you know, it's not VTAC, it's not a, it's not a life-threatening event, and it's, a, it's a something else, and I can deal with that later, or I can pass it on to somebody else. So having contextual data that is patient-specific, but not overwhelming these clinicians and routing the appropriate data to the appropriate person is really what makes these communication solutions successful. If you just data dump and send everything to everybody, I mean, we all know in our lives, right, we start ignoring things when we just keep getting pop-ups on our phone. Yeah, well, there's alert fatigue is a thing. (laughs) So this sounds like a gigantic rules engine. Is that something that Spoke, for example, will show up at an institution and say, look, we have already this rules engine, which is largely built out because the examples that you just gave are probably at a roles level going to be very similar, if not exactly the same from institution to institution. Yeah, I mean, it, it is somewhat. I mean, it's, it's workflow, right? And so it, you have to have an engine and a tool that can enable workflow. But the, really the key to it is having a directory. If we talked about islands of information, and so the nursing island has all the nurses and the physician island has all the physicians, and, and then there's the, we talked about on-calls and all different things, but the true heart of an enterprise communication system is an enterprise directory, and it starts in the operators. It starts where the codes are calling in. It starts, that's where your patients are reaching into the hospital through the, the operators, and every patient, every employee needs to be in this enterprise directory. If you have that, and if that is the hub of your communication solution, then all these other things are possible, right? Because you know who everybody is and you know where everybody is at the same time. Then it's just about building workflows for sepsis based on roles. And you're right, the roles in, in from hospital to hospital are very similar. So we actually bring a lot of best practices to hospitals when we do this, that this is how we're doing it here, this is how we're doing it there. But the differentiation of a a point solution, physician-secured texting, nursing communications, is they, they just have those people. The, the key to an enterprise communication system, and I'm, if you're looking at, at this, is to make sure that you start with an enterprise directory that you know who the patients are, who the employees are, not just the clinicians. Think about it, you know, this is another thing with the EHRs. 60% of the hospital employees use the EHR, but you also need to connect with those other 40% of people that work there. So how do we do that? So you really need to have a enterprise directory that is both everybody in the hospital, patients, and also outside the hospital. You know, the pharmacists that are located down the street from the hospital where we're going to send some electronic pharmacy scripts to them or we need to communicate with them. So it goes back to that enterprise directory. This is what I'm a little muddled by. We've got the EHR system. Like, so say taking that last example that you just mentioned, the sending of a, a pharmacy script to the pharmacy, you'd think that would be something that the EHR could handle and is, you know, like I've seen plenty of yeah. scripts that are delivered down there by the EHR system. So in, in your view, if you had to draw the line between what does the EHR system do and what does the communication system do, is there a line in between or is there a gray zone there? 
Yeah, no, it's a good question. Maybe pharmacy wasn't the best one. Maybe if you think about that, I need to, you know, communicate with somebody that's going to be, a patient's going to be discharged to a rehab center, right? And the EHR is not going to be able to communicate with that. But I need to, you know, somehow be able to communicate with, with, with that enterprise that we have a, a working relationship with. But an enterprise communication solution should be the subway, the communication tool for the EHR. The EHR is that data repository, as we talked about. It's the clinical decision support. It's going to have a MU score. It's going to tell you when patients potentially assess this risk. It's a phenomenal tool for patients and their records. But when every somebody has to be communicated with, they don't have on-call schedules. They have, they have, some of them have care teams. A lot of that's not there. So you need an engine to take the great data that's in the HR and get it to the right person at the right time. Perfect example we talked about earlier is this, we just said about a biomedical engineering person. These are the people that are fixing the monitors and when something goes wrong and they're very vital to healthcare, but they're not, they don't use the EHR. So how, how are they supposed to be communicated with? Which is so going back to taking all that great data that's coming out of the HR, but sending it into an enterprise communication solution is very, very strong value proposition for patient safety. The EHR is another a very significant data repository, or it's a way to crunch the numbers to realize that there's a situation. I'm also thinking I interviewed Dr. Westfall Bates recently, and he was mm -hmm. very excited about a kind of this liner that you stick under the mattress of a bed, and it, it can ascertain that a patient is in respiratory distress. So, mm -hmm. you know, you've got that, and perhaps that feeds the information into the EHR. But Okay, now what? You know, you've mm -hmm. got a patient that's in respiratory distress. Who knows about that? And how is that being dealt with? And, and it should be sent into the HR, but at the same time, it also should be sent to the nurse, right? I mean, so, you know, the, the, the HR is a great repository for all this information, and it does take all that data and crunch it together, either whether it's EHR or some other third-party applications, and, and uses that intelligently. But you literally can within the EPIC systems or the CERNA systems, they are not designed for communicating. And in fact, you can tell these systems within their systems to send the information via spoke. I mean, they were not built to communicate. So you can go into these systems and they're designed this way, um, or maybe to a pager. They're designed to send out data, right? But to whom, right? They can say, okay, we've, we've got this, now we want to send it out. And what they've developed is a doorway to say, okay, I'm going to send it to spoke. So now that alert that you just talked about, right, the thing under the mattress gets sent from the EHR or directly from that, but to Spoke or an, an enterprise communications company. And it's the enterprise communication tool that then knows all the other people, all the on-call schedules, all the other things to get it to the right person at the right time, at the right place, on the right device. Do you feel like, and this is might not be a fair question, but that rarely stops me. One of the things that I, I've heard often about EHR systems is that they're great at collecting data. But if you're trying to, let's just say, use an evidence-based protocol, it's really tough to get an evidence-based protocol. I mean, this has come up a lot with, with oncology, for example, thus the rise of, of EHR systems like Flatiron or, or PSYAPs. You can't hit a button and say, all right, here's the data about this particular patient, show me all of the evidence-based treatment 
paths that I, I could take or the relevant that a drug just get approved for a patient with this genome type, for example. So you've got an EHR system that is pretty good at the past, but not so great at the future. Do you see communication systems such as spoke? I mean, based on what you just said, you're notifying everybody on the, the sepsis team. But now there's going to be a checklist or something like here's the 18 things that you do if there's a patient at risk for sepsis or who has sepsis. Like, where's that checklist? Is that back in the EHR system as far as what an ideal world looks like? Or is that somehow contained within the communication system? I think today is probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I haven't been in the EHR world tightly in, in a while, but I, I would agree with your statement that today, and if you look at the EHR systems, they've kind of been built over the last 15 you know, years. Uh, the EHRs are more of a repository in the past. Um, they, the clinical decision support capabilities of them make a very big difference in coming to the forward. But I think the technology is somewhat in the past. If you look at things today. I mean, I mean, Amazon and Salesforce are trying to get into these spaces because they come at this with such a different approach and different technologies that can, I think, be more proactive versus, we, you know, in the past and reactive and running reports to see what happened. As far as your question about all the different steps that have, did they happen in that sepsis alert? I mean, the communications tools do send back to the EHR saying, okay, you know, this person was notified and this person did respond. So we do know those things. But I think that a lot of improvements can be made in those areas. And I don't know that the EHRs have all that, which is why, as you stated, there's Flatiron and all these other new products are coming out. There was an article by the CIO of Beth Israel in Boston, and he's a, he's a brilliant man. They came out that he didn't see that the EHRs in their current state today, these companies, they're going to be around in 15 years. And it's going to be a whole new dynamic with you know, cloud-based solutions from some of these monster companies that are not only taking all this patient data, but social data. And, different feeds and, and looking at it very differently in the future than we look at it today. What lessons have you learned working with organizations who have invested in enterprise communications? Because as we all know, it's one thing to install the technology and it's quite a different thing to get people to actually use it. Like what's the best practice there or, or what could go wrong that you have some words of wisdom? Well, uh, I'll try there, but um it's got to be at this, again, we stated earlier, we talked about how I've got a problem in the ED and I'm gonna, I need a communication solution there today. But making sure that we decisions we make today are going to have an impact on tomorrow. And making sure that senior leadership from the, the leader of the hospital down, you know, has made a commitment to, okay, whether I build it in pieces or I build it all at once, I have to build an enterprise communication solution. It's just, I mean, it makes total sense. Um, this is why you went with a, a, a system-wide EHR many other systems in the same manner. Having islands of, of communication and data in this space makes no sense. So having leadership understand that. And then also having that as a, as a, a goal. I mean, and a lot of hospitals actually now, are, if you look at their, you know, their top 10 goals, communications in the top five. So having that as a, as a goal of the organization and everybody on board that we need to develop and look at our communications differently. And that starts across the leadership of the organization. Sometimes you can't do it all at once and focus on workflows. There were a lot of mistakes made early on. You know, the, the iPhone, and then I know it's, it hasn't been around that long, but we think it's been around forever. But, you know, clinicians started wanting to, you know, use secure texting. Uh, it was, it's a great way to communicate. 
sometimes you know they couldn't find people and sometimes people don't even want to talk to people but they want to get some information across so secure texting was invented for healthcare and was installed in hospitals all around the country but there was no workflow associated with it so you basically came up with a technology but you didn't have a goal and specific workflows and specific things you were trying to accomplish you just said okay here's the technology now you can text now go but it was again another island it didn't tap into the any any other systems in the hospital so there were a lot of failures early on in the secure texting space and there was so much investment made both in hospitals and the venture capital business and all these secure texting companies but today these products are being replaced with more enterprise so I think that the best lessons learned are to look, think big, even if you have to start small, make sure that you're actually trying to solve a problem and work with an organization that can help you on workflows and invest in the technology is easy, That's, but invest in the services with your team and your whoever vendor, enterprise vendor you go with to make sure that you are specifically building workflows and solving problems versus just buying technology. I asked you earlier whether leaders in organizations might regard this as a problem. If I just plucked an average clinician, nurse, physician, just somebody who is in clinic off the street and asked whether communication was a problem, how many of them do you think would say absolutely? I would think the majority of them. I, I really would. I mean, I see so many different, as I, I'm lucky enough to travel to hospitals across the country and some are better than others, but I see so many breakdowns of communication. I see still, I still hear overhead paging. I still see people going through Excel spreadsheets or books looking to find somebody. You know, the codes. Think about a code. The code shouldn't be done on paper. It should all be done. Uh, you, know, you have to have backup systems. But and I want to be able to have my the tools available to be able to instantaneously call a code and notify everybody. We talked about sepsis. So I would say... You know, there, there's maybe 10% of hospitals that are getting close to this, and that's probably being generous. But you'd be surprised how many hospitals across the country have many islands and are struggling with this. So I would think to answer your question again, I would think very high. And is this something that can perhaps incrementally extend beyond clinicians to patients and their families? I met with um, a leader at a hospital in Philadelphia, a major university hospital, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I had met him at a conference earlier in the year. And his whole role is not just the patient experience, but the, the family, the front door. And this is where hospitals are competing. I mean, with all the mergers that are going on, if you look at the hospitals in Philadelphia, every one of them own all the hospitals out in the suburbs. And they're trying to figure a way to get the patients and the families into their hospital versus going to that suburban hospital or feeding them into it. They want to be able to make that family feel very, very comfortable and connected to the patient. You know, portals have helped a little bit on that, but when you have a loved one in surgery and you want to know what's going on and you're trying to, I mean, we've all been in this personally. I mean, I've been through this with a family member and you want to find out what's going on and you're very nervous and you don't know what's going on and you keep walking up and asking a nurse what's going on, what's going on, and they're trying to do the best they can to help you. Uh, it's very difficult. I think the future is really the patient and the family being able to include them. And a lot of, there are some hospitals out there that have done some great things that, you know, you come in for surgery with your husband and your husband's there outside with you. He is given a device so that he is notified um, from a family perspective on what's going on to make that family member feel more comfortable. Where can people go to learn more about Spoke if they are interested? 
Uh, well, spoke.com is always a uh, you know easy thing. Spok.com. Uh, we have tons of educational briefs, videos, case studies from leading hospitals across the country, and of course, we're on all the social media things. And uh, if anybody wants to ever contact me, uh, please do. I thank you so much for being on the program, Michael. I thank you, Stacy. This has been more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week, the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.